0: Call it? <sighs> call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 110 of Call It Friend of the Podcast, where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of the coin. This week, myself Andy J. Richie and my co-host Donna and watch the new Bobby Farrelly comedy, Champions. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call It Friend of Podcast. Drop us a line there for any feedback or recommendations. Peace.
1: sweet and that well i mean then mike rice fucking made away with the whole packet of eggs the whole packet of eggs the whole packet it was a 12 packet too A dozen eggs
0: happy easter i guess
1: well he promised he'd drop ham over to the house but i've i've seen no ham since
0: the ham burglar all right what's that indeed
1: uh what is happening we're we're at a distance again because um my kid's not being nice what does that mean i'm intrigued uh you know what the worst thing is is like if I was just able to let myself go and not be her parent for a second, I'd be laughing because she is being funny. <laughs> what she doing? Oh, just like every time like you hand her something, she'll like throw it across the room. Respect. And then she'll go over and she'll go to me, besito, besito, like a kiss. And I'll go to give her a kiss and she's like, no. <laughs> and then like last last night when she was having this tantrum. It's karma. And it would like she was just kicking and screaming all over the place. She because basically she wants to climb the stairs by herself, but it takes forever. And me and (laughs) Belen were both tired, so I just lifted her up and took her up the stairs. She's there going mad. I uh, I so I had to close the gate at the top of the stairs and then. Every time I, she was like, like I'm going to figure out how to open this gate and I'm going to clo- come up these stairs myself. And I was like, yeah, whatever, just let her tire herself out. I just wanted to go to the bathroom and brush my teeth, but I had to pass her trying to open the stairs gate as I was doing it. And every time I got near her, she would turn towards me and push me away and wag the finger like, no, no, no. I thought, and I'm like, all right, yeah. She, she, like, So like I said, it's all funny. You would laugh if you saw it, but it's like... <laughs> Good God. But yeah, yeah. So that, and basically, you know, her mom's tired. So I'm, I'm just, just in case there's an emergency, I decided I'd stick around.
0: I think that's fair.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, believe me, I wanted to abandon my family this morning and I will figure out a way to do so in future soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you, need, you
0: need you need to look after this podcast's child.
1: I agree. the child of the podcast. <laughs> yes, indeed. The child of the podcast. She'll come in future. She'll do both the roles. The end. Do you know one thing? I was thinking, and it really did hurt. No, it didn't. Uh, is that um, you know with um? Uh, maybe I've mentioned this on here before, but uh, you know when I said with After Sun that you never really know your parents. Yeah. Well, my daughter can just listen to Call her friend of <laughs> Yeah, she can have a
0: great time finding out about you people and uh, Chronicles of Riddick and
1: Hey Aaron in your flying car. I'm glad that we uh, used CRISPR to stop uh, human aging. I'm here on, yeah, call me, call your dad, call your dear old dad, but I mean, I forgive you. Think you, 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 on, young lady. Quite cute. Any road. Yeah. What have you been up to?
0: Uh, not too much. I just, I'm I'm here in your town. I'm here in the city of Barcelona. Yeah, I've yeah. Having, you, I've been having fun. Um,
1: yeah, in my city. In my city,
0: what have you been watching? Well, I've got three things to talk about. I don't have very much to say about two of them. One of them I've got. Well, they're, they're, they're We could they're, they're they might be talking points. We might be able to talk around them. But I don't have a huge amount. I think you've watched everything that was ever been released in the history of humanity in the same. No, period. that's not
1: true. That's not true. But I will. I'll go. I'll uh, shoot some out first if you'd like. <laughs> Please um... do
0: shoot some out first. <laughs> that's all I ask of you.
1: So I watched the first two John Wick films because I figured, uh, oh God, I might see the fourth one possibly. Uh, I better watch all the other ones just so I know. It's a Silly thing. But it did, do you know what? There's a good revelation. In Wait, this was because... this the first time you were watching them? Or is this no, I've seen them before. Okay. seen them before. Um, there was a good revelation in this which was, I, because I, I didn't finish the second one. I was just there thinking, God, do you know when people say like life is too short, it like really is. And it also sort of dawned on me that if you want to see and know, you know, pendulum swinging back and all that, but if you want to see where action cinema has kind of gone wrong and probably will end up get going right again, like just watch what happens between John Wick one and John Wick two. John Wick one is a ridiculous movie. Admittedly, it's a hitman who's he leaves the game. His uh, wife dies and uh, she sends him a puppy in her will. Li- literally. So then. Some Russian gangsters steal his car, which he really likes, uh, and um, kill his dog. And then he goes on a big rampage of revenge and like, you know, very much of the John Woo sensibilities, but shot the way Chad Chahilsky shoots action. So like long takes and grunts and bruises and jujitsu and all that shit. Anyway, the first one's still really good. I really, really enjoyed it because they sort of keep the lore to a minimum and there's something you do kind of care about the character. You want John Wick to come good out of it. But then the second one, the whole point of the second one is just the action and the lore of the world. Gold coins and, you know, right. analog certificates <clears throat> and stuff like that. And to be fair, it's shot really well and, and all of that. But, and I'm not, definitely not the first person to express this opinion. But it's very much like a video game movie with no video game. So Are you yeah. saying they should make... I think there is a John Wick game. <laughs> Are you yeah, suggesting no, no, I, they should make no, John Wick? Games? No, 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 I'm not I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying the structure of the story is is right. that. Well, um, like, you have to fight, you know, like you work your way through level almost
0: like working your way through levels. Totally, then absolutely. Then, 100% then there's like a boss at the end of the
1: 100%. That's what right. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh it's fine, but then you think back on you know what bizarrely the film that popped into my head to uh, pile up against this. A film I really enjoy actually. You know The Last Boy Scout? yeah yeah i mean that's a and i think that's a really good action movie too by the way i think the action is is well done in that or even feck it's something like i don't know a lethal weapon it's just mm. the 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 action Both of those were in by shane black i think you're right actually jesus i should deviate slightly i should deviate slightly uh fine the rock the rock uh love the rock all the action in the rock and the two shane black movies i mentioned i don't know it kind of it works with the characters. It just it uh, works emotionally. It's it's like you know it, particularly in like Lethal Weapon is a great example of that. Like yeah. when the the fury of like crazy rigs is released and he's just blowing bad guys' faces off left, right, and center. And then Murtaugh kind of gets gradually back into the game. Like it really, really wor- works for the characters. And yeah, ju- with John Wick, it's just much more so. I I think I, this is why I mentioned pendulums swinging back and so forth. <laughs> I think in a way, like how stoic and kind of manly John Wick is in the first one isn't something that people are really interested in dealing with so much in screenwriting, at the moment anyway. Um, So instead they just lean into this full Behemoth thing, which, you know, again, he doesn't really have a character in the second But isn't that like sort
0: of, you look at something like Rambo. Like, I mean, isn't that sort of the story of Rambo? The first one has depth and then... I mean, I'm. I've I've only seen the first John Wick. I'm guessing that overall, the series, the four John Wick films are better than the the five Rambo's. Yeah, six six, however many Rambo's we ended up with five. Now five. Like, five. but I mean, like you're gonna have depth maybe in the first one that they're never going to recapture because it's gonna start. They have to up the yeah. ante like the Fast and the Furious films. I I like I said, I've only seen the first John Wick. It seemed fine. I enjoyed mm. it. I thought it was a good film, but there was nothing about it that said to me this needs to be a cinematic universe. Yeah, Except money I, needs to be made.
1: But that's that's what I w- the point I was making about the whole the, the general postmodernism of it, it's that they like they're just completely willing to underwrite the fact that there might have been any meaning at all to a story like that and just lean in so fully into the action that the 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 story is basically meaningless. I don't know, it must be a temptation, but any I suppose any good director knows it's not a valid one to give into the idea that people are just there for the action because they're not that like that's just not the case as a matter of fact like if you take somebody like if you like i I mentioned with the the rock or even something like bad boys two action movies not particularly a great action to be honest but what's what really pulls them Through is the cool characters, and Michael Bay is good at shooting cool characters. And then, if you put if you give Michael Bay all the action budget he wants in the world with the Transformer movies to let things smash and blow up and whatever, but there's no good characters anchoring the story, except maybe the first one. I don't mind the first Transformers movie, to be honest. Yeah, it it just kind of gets lost in itself. Like, they, I don't know, you, you yeah, here I am, screenwriting 101 from Danica Ternan, basically a film fan is all, but like, uh, yeah, without character, those kind of, that postmodern action stuff, it's just interesting me less and less. Like, the only one that I can think of that I, I think gets it right is something like Crank. I mean, I've seen the first Crank. <laughs> it wasn't
0: that memorable. I remember uh, Jason Statham having sex with whoever the lady was, Amy Smart, I want to say. Mm, I think it while, is. Uh, while drinking like about 40 cans of Red Bull or Monster or something. And shooting people, yeah. And shooting people. There wasn't, yeah. you know, I, I don't think that was like a high point. I, I think that's harsh <laughs> on John Wick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those should be compared. No, but what I'm saying, I'm not, <laughs> what I'm saying is that... That film leans into the action with such a okay, plot, yeah, cons- yeah, with yeah, such yeah. a plot conceit that it's, it's acknowledging silly. how yeah, silly it is. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. it's It's yeah. fully on board with how silly it is. But j- the John, John Wick two and three are very pole faced, very serious, and okay. very long. Ex- very long. And the fourth uh, one is like two hours fifty. Or I think something. it's. I think yeah, it's close to three hours. So I'm not that interested in go. I won't rush to see it anyway. I'll see it eventually. Um, you shoot one at me there.
0: Well, I rewatched something we talked about last year on the podcast. I watched season one of Reacher.
1: Oh, hell yeah. How was it? It was good. It was very good. I would
0: say it's half excellent, half okay. There's elements of it that uh, upon rewatch where I'm like, okay, it's a bit, some of the narrative turns are a bit, I don't know, they're not that fulfilling. And uh, some of the characters are a bit, some of the stuff related to how they uncover parts of the mystery. The second time watching it, you see some of the seams a little bit. But then I've also been um, listening to the audiobook of the of the first book, the one that's based on Killing It's great. It. I, I, I'm surprised how similar it is to the series. Like, I mean, they really did. From as much as I've listened to of this first book, it's yeah. almost exactly what's on screen.
1: But it's better, isn't it?
0: yeah 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 it's 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 uh so basically like now because i got i got hold of all the audio books. i went Mm. to my local audio audio library and uh i got hold of all the audiobooks so now i just walk around the street pretending i'm jack reacher which is fun it's a nice move yeah
1: yeah yeah. i'm I'm actually listening to the fourth one right now Uh, which one's that i think it's called tripwire is that the one that
0: they're is that what season two of the the no, no, be, it's no. not.
1: I, I, I've, I have read that book though. I
0: might get along to it. Season two only wrapped like about a month or two ago, so it's gonna f- it's gonna be a so while until that. comes there's out. There's
1: time, yeah, yeah. But we were just ta- we were like when I last saw you, we were actually just talking about this. Um, for such a simple story, it's the style I of the writing I find that carries it through. D- the way Lee Child delivers the character. Like you know the um I can't remember from the series is the is the scene in the prison does that go exactly the same with the glasses Yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> almost exactly the same as the novel Well like reading the novel you must be like you got to be going oh yeah sure why would they change anything
0: When you're reading the novel something like that of like guys in a prison and like you know like a bunch of gangsters come up and try to start shit with them and then reach reacher uh, you know caves the guys face in when you're mm. reading it in print or 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 rather listening to the audiobook it's like yeah okay it's pretty but then seeing it on screen on TV i mean it's that is much better yeah obviously action can be captured far better than listening to the audiobook or reading the written word
1: yeah but like if you keep going with the books you'll get to places where like so the the book on which um the tom cruise first film is based one shot the finale of that in the quarry with the shootout and the punch up yeah. with uh, Jai Courtney, they changed that because Christopher Macquarie considered the f- uh, finale in the book pretty uncinematic. And what it is is, he's aware that they have they have an infrared sniper scope, and he's they're in a, like a small farmhouse in the middle of like acres of crops, right? but there is an automatic sprinkling system and he has to time his creeping across the field. <laughs> so he gets hit with the water in order to keep his body temperature low. So the <laughs> infrared scope doesn't pick up on it, you know, and Sounds very Lee childsy. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like that's the thing as well. He's, I mean, he's fully said this before he's, pulling this stuff out of his arse (laughs) as he goes yeah yeah big respect big respect but the
0: only Uh, other thing i thought by this was like because we talked before that bosch is the example of the novel to tv series that works extremely well i was just wondering if there's any other ones i mean we've got what we've talked about jack ryan this is i'll I'll say i'll open this up to audience members if anyone's got any recommendations of a solid novel to series
1: yeah so you do one that's so tight you could avoid. Yeah, I don't reading need to. Yes, yeah. That's what yeah, I'm trying yeah,
0: yeah. to do. Is I'm tr- like the same way that I'm listening to audiobooks. I'm trying to do everything to avoid actually reading.
1: Well, I can't say exactly because I haven't read the books, but The Expanse comes to mind. Oh, to yeah, be honest, well,
0: I've already watched all of that.
1: Exactly. Oh, I got one for you. Sharp Objects. No, it's only one book. Yeah, I was. I, this
0: that's one that I've had like forever. I just haven't got around to it yet.
1: It's really good. I. Big fat recommend from, yeah. from D-Block there with that one. The adaptations of the J.K. Rowling's books, I liked. Um, uh, Strike. Pass. Oh, really? Not a fan? Wait, this is her non-Harry Potter stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, C.B. Strike. The, he's a detective. He's a private detective. What a terrible veteran. name.
0: C.B. Strike. What's he doing? Hunting down uh, trans people? Yes. No, no, he's not. Isn't, there, isn't one of the baddies like trans or something in, in one of the novels?
1: I haven't read all the novels. Um I know in the latest novel it's about like um crazy fandom and stuff and people were like, "Oh, of course she's writing that." And I was like, "Well, yeah, of course she is." <laughs> she writes what she knows, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. The main character is a billionaire.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so he's a he's a war veteran and Holiday Granger becomes his assistant and her Wait, her so this o- was it
0: was it was made into like a UK TV series or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. All right. It's quite good. Right. Um and there are they're only like two or three episodes per series per mystery. So who's the you know, lead? You can work with that. Tom Burke. I have no idea who that is. He's got one
0: of those um Has weird he got lips, English face. Well, sort of weird yeah. lip. Well, like a cleft palate
1: or something. That's it. Cleft palate. Is that offensive that I said weird lip? They know it's, it's a. It's weird It's more lip. offensive than cleft palate, certainly. Yeah. Okay. Well, just because I didn't. Know, I'm sorry. I'll never say weird lip again unless somebody's got a weird lip that's fine as long as you take man.
0: this as a you know opportunity to learn
1: and grow i'm gonna grow yeah yeah, yeah totally okay other oh, f- i i can't think of any but i w- if i do think of some i will uh, send them your way certainly
0: yeah that's all i want this is what i want i want to watch well-made tv series that will replace books till eventually we can just burn all the books
1: yeah well i've started with burning the books from my saturday it's. night crowd cool all right i got a i got a couple of rewatches in there Dear audience, my child just uh, disturbing here. She's a big movie <laughs> fan also. Huge film fan. Okay, so I I don't know what it was. I oh Yes, I remember a friend of mine uh, just who got very into the Quentin Tarantino podcast, which I'd previously chucked to the side, said, no, 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 you should really listen to it. It's basically, you know, he's just c- comparing his knowledge about cinema in a very, very um, unpretentious way. And I thought to myself, well, that's what we aspire to do here at Call It Frendo. So I said I will. I'll give him another. I'll give him another go. And um, listening to it from that point of view, well, first of all, I couldn't let go of my anal retention. Like I have to watch the movies beforehand. I just had to, just as it. Just no, just obviously. What, yeah, yeah, exactly. See what they were talking about. But I have to say. So the two I watched, um, and this is a big recommend for the Video Archives podcast, but I, like my mate doesn't watch the movies, he just enjoys hearing how knowledgeable he is, and to be fair, you could get a lot out of this podcast by not watching the movies, but you'd get more if you do. So I watched a 1981 horror film called Demonoid, a Mexican horror film, but it's all American actors. so I don't know what makes it Mexican, but apparently it is Mexican, and a Filipino film from the early 80s as well called uh, The One-Armed Executioner, now... Of these two, I enjoyed both of these films a lot. These are the kind of films that the film Grindhouse is based on. Right. Stuff like this. But... Right, first of all, both available on YouTube. Recommend people check them out, including you, Andy. They're both less than 90 minutes. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, that's positive. Right, right. But Demonoid more so than One-Armed Executioner. So uh, the story of Demonoid is basically a miner, a guy trying to lead a mine, but uh, all his uh, suspicious Mexican miners won't go in after they find this weird crypt in it. He goes down and uh, they find a, a cursed hand and that's it. It's basically like Drag Me to Hell, but with much less budget and much like, you know, the sort of filmmaking ingenuity actually that Sam Raimi made his name off of. Like, the filmmaking is fantastic in this. It's one of the best effects of, and, you know, an enchanted hand moving around in its own that I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, I would genuinely, high, high recommend for Demonoid. Um, and it's all, it just goes to show, uh, like, of course, you look at the director's filmography he's made like 50 movies you know so by this point in his career he just really really knew what he was doing and the script is silly enough but you never really know where it's going to go next and it's quite short all the set pieces work very well fun dialogue fun characters honestly I thought this was great uh, so yeah Demonoid and then the other one the one armed executioner which is a bit more of a shot in the dark being honest but so that that's the story of an Interpol agent who um, does a drug bust and then you know, you know that, like, you'd see this in movies in the 70s and the 80s. I don't think you'd get away with it nowadays, where, like, uh, somebody, a, a woman gets brutally murdered as a means to give a man a reason to go through the plot. <laughs> I think
0: that still happens frequently in films. I was just, really? There was, there's, I don't know, I can't think what it is, but there's a recent film that came out where that's, like, this sort of inciting incident of the plot.
1: A woman cat, getting brutally murdered. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I know what it is. It's the, or maybe not brutally murdered, but dying. It's the new Dungeons and Dragons film. Someone was so, someone was talking about that as like a sort of negative point of uh, against the film. Is that it's still using the trope of like the wife or girlfriend or daughter or female character dies. And that's the reason why the man has to like go on a quest for justice or whatever.
1: I don't mind that as a plot device, personally. Well, me
0: neither. I don't. I don't care personally. I. <laughs> if the
1: story's good. Yeah, you can yeah, Use it... whatever trope you want. So yeah, this guy's wife gets brutally murdered, and they cut off his uh, arm. But he still wants to wreak uh, revenge. Hence the one-armed executioner. Now the thing is, this was made in the Philippines, and. For next to no money. Like, I, I found the budget somewhere online. It, it was made for nothing. But it's just, I suppose, because Philippines in the early 80s might have been, uh, still had a trace of bandit country in it. So the amount, like, there's a helicopter chase and just all this mad stuff that you're going, well, how do you have the money for this? And it's like, I suppose the Philippines, you just <laughs> go up and hand somebody an envelope and just, uh, you can include this stuff in your movie. Um, but what's really interesting about it compared to today is like when you see physical action actually happening, like, yeah, so there's a scene in it where a helicopter chases a boat and the helicopter goes under a bridge. And it's just like the fact that they shot that reel, and they shot it well, <laughs> actually. um, It's just, I don't know, it's mo- It's it's so impressive nowadays because nobody does stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, so how did they end up watching this film? Like,
1: Well, do you not know the selection process of the podcast?
0: No, no, no. I mean, I listened to like two or three episodes a while back.
1: So, you know, they famously worked in that video store in um, Manhattan Beach, I think. Yeah, they worked there for years when they got to know each other and became friends. And uh, when the place closed up, Quinton Tarantino bought up the entire archive of Ah, videotapes. So So, he just
0: has this big archive of VHS. Yeah.
1: So most weeks they pick three at random and Ah. just uh, dig into them. Also learned a fun thing about VHS, which I had never known before. Did you know like that heavier VHSs are better? No, why is that? Because more tape, more information, basically. So it's got nothing
0: to do with like the length of the film or anything.
1: No, well, I mean, it can do. Right. Like if it's a re- like you know a length of there's probably some ratio of like ideal length of film to weight of tape. Because I remember when I got like I I would get copies of movies and you know I watch them and they'd get you know just shredded to nothing eventually. But and then they dispensed with this advice on this is like that's they said that's why rental tapes were always heavier because they would have the more information and potential to like longevity basically ah okay I see yeah, yeah. so there you go interesting one I would recommend uh, giving that podcast another shot just uh, watching some of the mad m- movies they are of course playing in. Um, in our ballpark a little bit which I don't like but maybe we can reach out to them and do a collab <laughs> sure I'm sure they'd love it yeah indeed but uh, yeah Demonoid and One-Armed Executioner I recommend people check them out they're both on YouTube what else have you got? well I don't
0: really watch stand-up
1: comedy very much I yeah, feel like you sucks. probably don't either do you? I, I, do you know what? oddly for me now Louis C.K.'s had a new special out for almost a full week I haven't watched it yet uh, so I'm, I'm falling behind for sure yeah I still like stand-up comedy and comedians but yeah I don't know. I don't like, I I mean, there's specials everywhere
0: now. Yeah. You know? Too many. Literally, literally everyone has a special. And, uh, Mike yeah. Mike Rice just filmed one. <laughs> that's true. I just, I can't. A lot of the time, I, I just don't kind Care? of. Well, there's that, but it's like nothing is ever the same as being in the room. No, that's absolutely true. It's never going to catch. You're never going to get the same thing. There's something so weirdly false about, especially how some of them are filmed. I mean, it's like multiple nights cut together yeah you, you can see it's not the same audience from time to time and
1: for me and i think you might agree with me on this point there is um a very particular style of comedian that can overcome that barrier just by way of their particular delivery sure sure uh the likes of patrice o'neill or more recently shane gillis watching footage of them is like yeah
0: that feels more real but that was a lot less polished
1: Yes, that's that's exactly my point. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's a bit more realistic. Well, anyway, I watched uh, the new special from uh, Philly comedian, well, by way of Florida, Mike Vecchione, which is called "The Attractives." It's on YouTube. Fair. But anyway, I I, I really liked it. I'm a big a big fan of Mike Vecchione. I like his cadence. Uh, I think he's very funny. That's the kind of stand up that I enjoy watching. So I don't. Would you recommend to it, to me? it? yeah, I would recommend it. You I laugh, don't know. Are you are you familiar? Yeah, I laughed. I laughed. Yeah, I like Mikey V. I think he's. I don't think he's that interesting a lot of the time. <laughs> I think he's a really good comedian.
1: <laughs> no, no, I've seen him like uh, his stand up before, and I enjoyed it. I love uh, as well. Generally speaking, I think uh, Nate Bergazzi is great too. Yeah, uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. So a clean, uh, a clean comic. Yeah, but a clean a clean comic in a, I don't know, uh, not a, a, one of the few clean comics that's. I don't know. He's, it's like he's got Louis C.K. energy, but it's clean, rather than leaning into a Jerry Seinfeld kind of a sensibility. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Well, because it's that's a...
0: his real personality. Now we're yeah, getting exactly. too much into yeah, yeah. the stand-up thing, but yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I'm but a, anyway, a big...
0: that's all I would say. Check it out. Mike Vecchio on The Attractives. It's on YouTube. It's I will, free. I will check it out. Everything is free, obviously, nowadays.
1: I actually watched, like, the first 20 minutes of uh, Big J Oakerson's new special. I watched the trailer for that. <laughs> I yeah. just it was bad. I mean well it's like you've seen this trailer you've seen it all it's, it's right. all just crowd work um, right. as is his want it's what he likes to do he's sure. a great man to stop and watch a clip of on Instagram I, I'll find I'll, I'll watch okay. a clip of him on Instagram but uh, yeah the full special didn't quite do it for me okay so let's see, I, I got a couple of, so uh, I'll rush through three and then talk extensively about one more. So I rewatched uh, Superbad because Seth Rogen kept fucking going on about how it was the great, last great high school movie. Yeah, uh, I got to admit, it is, it's really great. It's still very, very funny. Uh, fair play to them. Jonah Hill, very funny. Michael Cera, very funny. Dialogue, very funny. It's great. Really enjoyed it. Y- yes anybody hasn't who has uh, forgotten about it or uh, worse again never seen it check it out but the the real mvp in it and it's almost good that he never really had a career after it because this was just it this was the role for him is um Christopher mintz Platz in the role of McLovin. it's so natural and so real he's just so funny in it chicka, chicka yeah like just he's just a real goofy idiot kid um and i think he might be the 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 tissue that like really made me makes me feel like connected to it as an audience member because he's a real goofy kid the rest of them are actors and you can you can see it a little bit but yeah it's just he works so well in that film i don't know were you were you ever a fan of that film
0: yeah i mean i thought it was good i haven't seen it for a long time i would be suspicious as to whether it holds up but well you say it does so fair play definitely I did rewatch that interview you were talking about, the one with Edgar Wright and Michael Sarah and, uh, and Jonah Hill. Hill. And uh, it was a joke. It was a bit. He, I, it, ah. <laughs> Edgar Wright was just kidding. They, they they'd pre-planned the whole thing, definitely, if you watch it again. I'm assuming you watched it back in the time. It's funny when there's yeah. things like that where you like you think they're real and then you go back and watch them and you're like, oh, wait, no, this was clearly they were just kidding.
1: Yeah, there was a an English comedian who had something like that. Where a foreign woman in the crowd started giving out to him, and it was all a bit. Yeah, I've I I mean I've seen a ton of people do things like that. Yeah. Oh no, he was an Australian comedian. That's right. You probably know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to reach. Back I can't into think my who it was. To, so to, I can't yeah. think who it was.
0: Anyway, I was like super bad. The modern super bad is probably Booksmart. Smart. Yes, it is. Featuring uh, uh, sister of Jonah Hill. Yes. Beanie uh, Feldstein. Beanie Feldstein.
1: Yes. Uh, I've I I've always been suspicious. That's Jonah Hill. Just he found a way. <laughs> he found a way to ride the wave into the you know more progressive landscape. And just well, uh, no, if you
0: when we saw Jonah Hill recently, he looks like a completely different thing. Yeah, As I yeah said, a he looks like man. a Michael Mann character.
1: He does. He has a bit of the Tom Sizemore's about looks, him.
0: Yeah, he's that, or he's hanging out with Wayne Grow. You think he might be a
1: Wayne Grow type?
0: <laughs> he's looks, he looks. I would be very suspicious about Jonah Hill.
1: So I also watched um, the menu, which came out last year, which is. <laughs> An odd thing. It's an enjoyable film produced by Adam McKay, which kind of g- you can sort of feel his uh, his Comedic fingerprints sensibilities. Not quite, but definitely his fingerprints in terms of theme on the script. I had my instincts about it, and it turns out I was I, I was right. I'll tell you about this anyway. So um, yeah, it's it's essentially this bunch of rich people go out to this super swanky Michelin star restaurant that's on an island where you get all sorts of weird tasting experiences. Right, Nicholas Holt is this uh, foodie snob called uh, Tyler, and he he brings a, a an escort played by Anya Taylor Joy named Margot out with him. Chef is played by uh, Ray Fiennes, and it's all it's very weird. And you're like, you know, you're in for a horror comedy the second you get there. My instinct was that they basically wanted to make a movie set within that universe. And my other instinct was that uh, they wanted to use the shooting style of uh, The Mind of the Chef, the pretentious food Netflix show. And it turned out, I read the Wikipedia afterwards, and both of those uh, hunches were correct. But then, I suppose, you know, it, like, it's f- it, it's fun, bad, like, bad stuff happens to people who deserve it. It try this is the Adam McKay in it, it tries to, sh- you know, shuffle in some shit about rich people bad, you know, uh, they're ruining the food industry, etc. Like, you know, like Adam McKay can preach about that. Which is kind of a bummer because most of the way it's just a uh, hilarious hijinks and fun. Uh, it's, you know, it's a grand sort of way to uh, um, spend a couple hours. There's some amusing kills and uh, stuff in it. But uh, yeah, it was quite big, I understand, last year. It's shot very, very well. I'll say that for it. For what is essentially a one-room thriller. I feel like it was something
0: that was like on the blacklist for quite a while. That script.
1: As f- well, the thing is, the script the script could use another two go rounds for sure. Because they, it's fun being in the world, but they don't have their ending worked out well. The the like it it needs work for sure. Um, but it was on the way there, which is the odd thing about it, because it is so clearly a good idea, but it's almost like it was rushed into production to just make it. Because the, for me, the ending doesn't doesn't really work, and I've seen other uh, people agree with me, which means I'm definitely right. Fair play. It just, uh, from watching the trailer, I just got the sense that
0: this one's not for me. You're probably right. Yeah, so good? I'm just going to let it, I'm going to let is that one go.
1: Good instinct on that one. Okay, also rewatched Jorgos Yorgos Lanthimos' The, the Favourite. Have you ever seen this? Yeah, I saw it in the cinema. Yeah, I me too. I enjoyed it, I thought it was very good. I think it's his best movie. I think it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. Performances, shooting style, and then you look up the story that it's based on, and I actually think this is such a good approach to historical adaptations, mm. which is that you take your bare cornerstone of facts and then do whatever you want with it. Because the past is a foreign country. People were weird. We don't get how they were. Like the fact that Nicholas Holt keeps kind of punching and beating up Emma Stone is fun, you know, because it's ridiculous. But you also, men could do that to just, you know, because she's basically just a maid back then. The queen just being an, a, sort of an abusive, childish tyrant is fun, I don't know, like, I I think it's, like, for a man who, like, he writes and directs most of his films, but this is the, I think this is the only one, certainly since he became um, a name in people's mouths, that was scripted by somebody else, and uh, I just think his, but it's still very much a Jorgos Lanthimos film, with his visual sensibilities and the delivery of an awful lot of the dialogue, just very deadpan, and it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. If you, like, I hadn't seen it since the cinema, and... Oof, I was absolutely just enthralled by it. I would thoroughly recommend giving it a rewatch. I have uh, quite a few gaps in my
0: Yorgos Lanthimos uh, viewing experience. The uh, Yorgos Lanthimos canon. I still haven't uh, seen Killing of a Sacred Deer. Which I like. I like and a lot. Uh, Alps.
1: Have you? I haven't seen Alps either. Have you seen Dogtooth?
0: Yeah, that's the first film I saw of his. Which that's quite a wild movie. It's just very Greek. There's quite a lot of Greek films like that I think that go into really? sort of incest and weird parents and children and I mm. don't know it seems I, I don't want to say that's what Greeks are into but like there's definitely there's like a lot of Greek cinema has elements of that going on.
1: Okay, did not know that. Um I'm looking forward to his next thing. It's got a whole bunch of his um His old play is in it and some new ones. I suppose he's the kind of director people want to work with these days. Tilda Swinton is is in in his next one, which kind of leaves me going, well, what took that so long, you know? She's perfect for playing those type of roles. She's very androgynous. What could be more Greek than that? Famously, yes. Famously, indeed. I have one more thing to talk about, but do you want to say your thing first? Dear God. Yeah, so... um, So, uh, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) That's fair play. You've watched everything ever made. That's good. Everything everywhere all at
1: once, indeed, no, I watch it uh, sequentially, that makes more sense, everything everywhere sequentially
0: well at some uh, at some point over the last few weeks on my reddit browsing uh I came across a subreddit called fan edit or fan edit.
1: Yes, I've been interested to hear about this. you told me about this.
0: Yeah, and it turns out there's a whole thing. There's this whole kind of underground movement of people that are editing films and TV series for totally different purposes. Uh, Some of them are fixes where something something doesn't work very well and they decide to see if they can sort of make it slightly better. Some of them are cutting films together in like a chronological order or just making like small changes... You know, some some changes are huge. They make like a, you know, like a totally new version of the film. And other ones are just like cutting one scene or cutting one moment. What so are some titles that are out there? There's one where someone has cut Game of Thrones 7 and 8, uh, season 7 and 8 into one, uh, like, 8 or 10 episode season. Oh, wow. And I, and I, yeah, and I've like tried, that sounds pretty interesting. It sounds like they basically fixed it. So it doesn't end. Spoilers for Game of Thrones, but it doesn't end with uh, what's her name going mental, Danny. Yeah, Danny. It doesn't end that. It ends with the Night King instead. And okay. So they've like basically completely reworked it.
1: So they cut out the last season, basically. No. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't seen well, the last like, two seasons. So I oh, don't know. okay. Okay. Well, I, I I read what happens. I, I it's it's okay. Yeah, there's there's things like that. There's a lot of Star Wars cuts. Yeah, uh, what's his chops? Topher Grace um, was into that for a little bit. He did some alternate cuts of Star Wars films.
0: I saw someone had edited Last of Us Season 1 into four episodes for some reason. I don't know why you would do that because it already feels like it's cut down. So I don't know. There's, so there's there's some mad ones going on as well. But anyway, I watched uh, one of the, I think it's one of the most popular and most famous fixes in the fan edit community and that is the agent nine cut of ridley scott's prometheus which is obviously a film that gets shit on a little bit for having some sort of let's say
1: memeable moments let's talk prometheus first uh yeah so okay right were you looking forward to prometheus when it came out yeah i think so because this was you know great trailers i found i remember the trailers being like wow this could be good yeah, I remember
0: seeing scenes that were filmed on Sky. For me, I was going like, wow, this looks nice north of Scotland. It looks like there's going to be high stakes. There's going to be action. There's going to be intrigue. But uh, the the final finished film that came out shit the bad for me.
1: Where, where, did you feel that when you were watching it in the cinema?
0: Yeah, I remember thinking like immediately, there's some really, really ropey dialogue. There's obviously, I mean, the moments that people talk about when they're exploring this uh, planet and they decide oh, yeah, that's they're painful. like, oh, the, the atmosphere's okay. Let's take our helmets off. And they're yeah. scientists and you're, you know, there's that. There's Charlize Theron being crushed by a big donut, basically. And she, all she has to do is go left or right, but she keeps
1: running straight and she gets squashed. I, I remember very specifically feeling like for the first 20 or 30 minutes, I was kind of into it. I, I was thinking, because I was thinking to myself, I don't know, I liked the idea that they were exploring the space jockey because I I, I, I figured if there was one direction they could go with Alien that w- might, you know, give us something interesting, it was in that direction, it was backward. And even the weird albino bodybuilder at the start who drinks the, th- you know, and he dissolves into Earth's waters, blah, 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 blah. I thought this is mysterious enough to get going. And it still could have been the case, but then what I found the big deal with Prometheus was it... Purposefully made its way to the same waters that Alien swam so well in, and fucked up in exactly all the ways that Alien excels in. Namely, like Dan O'Bannon's script is so good, the characters are so organic and real that you you, you just they they're given gravitas, and you're there with them on the ship, and you care about them. And it's all to do with dialogue. And fair enough, they had a good cast of actors. And immediately when they arrive on the planet, on the ship Prometheus, which a uh, silly name also, but on the ship Prometheus, and then all the characters just suck. So my b- main question, I would be, do they manage to repair that yeah. aspect of it? They it, do. Is,
0: it is salvageable. There's some, obviously, there's some things that are always going to be there. Logan Marshall Green is, is awful. He plays one of the two main scientists, Numi, hmm. I don't know how to pronounce her surname, so Rapace, Rap- Rapace, 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 Again, she's also, she isn't very good, I would say. I think her, her character's fairly awful. So there's certain things that are hard to salvage, but they cut away a lot of the, the silliest moments and silly jokes. Uh, Charlie's Theron no longer gets crushed by the big donut. The film doesn't start with the, the space jockeys on Earth. It starts with a seven minute, ted talk from wayland yeah from wayland from the Guy, Guy Pierce, Pierce character care. yeah sure. and yeah it's just a, it's a completely it's it's so much a different better film that i don't remember i don't remember how it used to be anymore how long is it it's just over two hours and would you say it's worth watching definitely absolutely it's it's turned me on to fan edits as like i mean think about all there's there's a number of ridley scott films which have been recut he's you know, come back to them and found a better working version. Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, that's the, the most famous one. But like, I just think nowadays people have the tools to do this. Yeah. To a high level. Like this this Agent Nine cut, it came out not that long after the film was released. Mm. And the person who edited it went and took all the like extra scenes off of the DVD, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Some of it was green screened and still had wires on it, and they've they've edited shots, so they've they've wow. made like visual edits. Wow! I they've mean, they've added music
1: cues and things like that. Wow! No, no I am interested in this now. I'm uh, and I'm back on uh, Reddit, so yeah, send me over that page. I will. I'll uh, see what tickles my fancy. I've watched the uh, the Waterworld Ulysses cut. It should it's not the first fan edit you've even watched on uh, for Colored Friendo of course you watched him um, because the oh, Black yeah, 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 director's yeah, exactly. cut it is, is a fan edit basically yeah yeah
0: yeah that was a, there's a guy the guy on Twitter who, who made that cut was the one who sent me the link for it yeah solid
1: must get around to uh, doing that to, to watching that one but it's I, so
0: much better I mean, it's so much better than the other version because I watched both I remember
1: but hold on, so really you're you're full-on recommending the Prometheus fa- uh, I would fan s- edit? Yeah,
0: there, there's, there's other edits of the same film, but this is the one that's held up to the highest standard. It's the one that people generally say is the best. I think it's the best version of this film, and it salvages a lot. And I know that there are fan edits of the following film as well what was the other one called alien alien covenant covenant there's like because again covenant had yeah covenant had far more problems i would say mm. so i think there they might have someone might have also salvaged that one
1: do you know what the thing is as well that i'm i'm curious to and this still sounds silly but maybe maybe it's even because of this podcast but i've become a much more refined viewer in the last few years and i even enjoy sort of picking scruples with things because it feels like I'm learning to understand movies more and so I, I would almost be tempted to, <laughs> to watch the old shitty ones beforehand as well but no <laughs> that, that would probably um, no that, that would be too much I don't think I should do that uh, t- t- tell, tell me not to do that Andy yeah, But if you have the time yeah, you should do it. One hundred
0: percent. You should watch the. Uh, I am busy watching Prometheus. demonoids
1: and one armed executioners. I can't be watching the original. Prometheus. Well, you watch the final cuts of those. You should watch the. Uh, you know the word the, the, the versions to, uh, confession as well is like. I was so looking forward to Prometheus that it, I kind of got a bit of Star Wars: The Phantom Menace symptom with it uh, for uh, like the from the first time when I saw it in the cinema, and I like was defending it slightly, and then when it came out on DVD and I rewatched it. I thought I, only, only then did I fully realize that because I only thought there was a few bad moments and it was mainly those two scientists. But there's a lot of um, logic that just doesn't it just doesn't make sense. A lot of what happens in the film. And um, I, I don't know, odd scene like the scene where Idris Elba uh, convinces Charlize Theron to have sex with him and, and stuff. It's just weird in, in the context of what's going on on the planet. Anyway. All of that is all of that is much better in this cut. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. I'll be looking forward mm-hmm. to talking about it. Yeah, you can you can you oh, can find
0: that in all your usual places. In all your regular places is where you'll find. You just need to search for Agent Nine Prometheus, and you'll okay. find
1: it. And uh, the on Reddit, it's just what fan edits. Fan edits, yeah. R you should send me, slash fan edits. Send me over some uh, Reddit pages to, to get on following, please, because you're big in on, on the movie scene on that. And basically, whenever I would Google things about movies, I would end up on Reddit. So I just downloaded the app again. So I, I would like to follow some some good pages on it because um, I've been enjoying it a lot recently. And you're you're on Reddit a lot, right? Yeah, 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 I am okay. too much if anything. I've got um, one more thing to talk about. Uh, also, um, Quentin Tarantino inspired uh, because I started reading his um, film criticism book, uh, Cinema Speculation, that is basically just a book about like individual Pauline Cale-style interviews of uh, 70s films. The first one he mentions is one that I had not seen in years, so I said, hell yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, when's the last time you watched the Steve McQueen film Bullet? Many years. I, of course, remembered the car chase, but... Yeah. And I remembered all the others, because I would have watched this when I was probably too young to appreciate it, I would imagine, like 10, 11, 12, something like that. And I have to say, yes, the car chase is fantastic, but the film itself is also, I think it is the best example of what Steve McQueen brought to the table. This film is ball-achingly cool. It is so fucking cool from start to finish. From the opening, there's a, there's a a heist where a guy goes on the run and the, in a very 70s way, they do not explain it. This film was, of course, a big um, inspiration for William Drive. Friedkin. Oh. And Drive, of course, yeah. Many other films, to be fair. Yeah. But uh, William Friedkin took, he, like, not just for the car chase, but also for the, you know, let, let the audience figure out the plot a bit. And so then, I, like, I've been reading about it since in the Quentin Tarantino book and other places. Apparently, like... Steve McQueen would just be constantly telling other people to say his lines. So he speaks very little in the film. Just lets his charisma very much carry him through. So for people who don't know this is uh, it's often considered the greatest car chase ever made but it's also I think a gateway into the kind of anti-hero films people would um that would really thrive in America in the 70s. It's directed by a British guy called Peter Yates who didn't do a whole lot else to set the world on fire but this is kind of enough in my opinion. It's definitely enough. It's not my I opinion. I thought he did this, something else decent, did he not? He did a film which I had actually seen before called Robbery and apart from that I didn't really recognize anything else on his on his uh, filmography. Let me just, uh, I'll uh, read them out to you. So there's Rob No, yeah, I got it right here, I see. Uh, Friends of Eddie Coyle actually is a famous one, but I haven't seen (laughs) that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that was the one that I was looking at before. He also also directed (laughs) Kroll. Jesus. (laughs) Is
1: that the movie about the Frisbee? (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's like the weird... uh, Yeah, yeah,
1: the the magic Frisbee. Fantasy type thing, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Un- well, unlike Bullet, uh, when I rewatched Crawl, it was not as good as I remember. <laughs> the Bullet was the opposite effect. It was much better because it's not just the car chase, it's the detective work, it's the attitude. There's a lawyer in Bullet that is just. I don't know, like, all the characters are, exa- like, he he's establishment, he's, he you know, he wants to run for DA, so he, like, he, he's got his prize witness stashed away, and he's just the biggest dickhead ever, he's just an asshole, whereas Bullet is just, you know, plays by his own rules, basically, does his own thing, and pursues the case doggedly, it's also quite brutal in parts, the, a, a lady gets murdered in a hotel room, and there's some shotgun murder in a hotel room of a witness, it's... It's like fairly full on, start to finish. Of course, the you know car chase works in as the centerpiece. But uh, overall, it's like, wow, I hadn't seen it in years because I had written it off as just, you know, just some cop movie surrounding a car chase. But I suppose I hadn't realized how much I enjoyed 70s cop movies by that point in my life. And now that I know, I'd say this will probably go on the list with French Connection of something I rewatch once a year. It's mm. so good. It's so good. Uh, like it was one of those like do you remember when you watched Sorcerer for the first time and yeah, you're just yeah, there yeah, sitting there yeah. going I can't believe I've been missing this for so many years it's like yeah. that really uh, truly catch up with it again if you get a yeah, chance yeah I need to rewatch we'll, it and we'll it's, talk shit about it's it it's definitely so good. something
0: I used to own on uh, VHS so good so that's how that's how long it's been since I watched it mm. the one thing I remember about this is that the Frank Bullock character is based on uh, Ruffalo's character the same guy that Ruffalo's character from Zodiacs based on San Francisco cop called Dave Toshi. Is
1: that for real?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I did not know that. You know Steven Spielberg's trying to make a bullet movie with Bradley Cooper at the moment. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if Bradley Cooper is the way to go. I think Bradley Cooper's a very good actor. I think it's such a wild decision for Steven Spielberg that I'm kind of interested.
0: I guess. It seems a bit unnecessary now. I would just watch Drive.
1: Yeah, watch Drive, watch The Driver, or watch, indeed, Bullet. Bullet is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very high recommend uh, from me. And also, big recommend on the book um, Cinema Speculation, which I'm enjoying a lot. Quinta Tarantino writes about films, probably unsurprisingly, very well. So that's it. Okay, so that's it for the what we've been. And, uh, well, now, yeah, fuck it. I'm just, I'm dying to know what you thought of Champions. I would say that
0: I really enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting very much from Champions, in mm. fact, I was expecting I, I guess I was maybe expecting it to be slightly more risqué than than it was. Um yeah. it's uh it's a film that is getting extremely mixed reviews from most critics
1: and so interesting that. I'll tell you why in a minute. Go on.
0: Yeah, I okay, so I would say for me Champions is sort of a mix of of good and bad. There's times where it feels like it's been very it's been made in a in a very amateur fashion. There some of the some of the shots are poorly composed. There's there's, there's a couple of weird moments of of extras walking in the background where yes in <laughs> in, in, in cafes very, Did you... things like that. It's just, yeah, the, yeah, there's just yeah, bits yeah. and pieces I, I where I felt that. like they just threw they threw certain scenes together at like very last minute. There, the the opening scene or one of the opening scenes where Woody Harrelson and um Caitlin Olsen Olson are after they've just slept together and they're having a conversation, it plays out for about five minutes, and that yeah. should there's no way that should be a five minute scene, or yeah. certainly not know if the scripting that is. So, I mean, it's one of those these films. There's, we've watched a bunch of films like this where it runs at two hours. It should be ninety minutes. They could easily lose half an hour from this film.
1: Yes, uh, they could. Um, it's about the same running time as the the Spanish film on mm. which it's based, though. Uh, the very interesting thing I, I, I was mentioning about the the mixed reviews for this one is um, it just I, I in a str- I always say that like it might be to do with fascism or something, but like Spanish culture is a little bit behind the the rest of the world in certain <laughs> aspects. But there's good things about that too. Like for example, when they released like the, there was some great political thrillers that came out a few years ago. Um, And they were the first really good Spanish political thrillers. And there's something intrinsically Spanish about them so that they weren't cliched. They really worked and they were a new thing. I hadn't seen anything like it before. And in a similar way, when Champions came out, it was like, oh, this is the first Spanish Adam Sandler film. And I don't think they're like uh, copping off them. First of all, the sensation I got when watching the Spanish Champions, I didn't realize it was an Adam Sandler movie until I watched this version of Champions. And I realized, I was like, oh, God, I kind of miss this sort of movie. And it's it's very, the Farrelly brothers, you know, I mean, Bobby Farrelly directed it. I don't know, how did he write it? No, I don't but think so. You do get the feeling of the sorts of films that they made in the 1990s from it. Just, um, it's you know. Minus any it, of the bite. Well, the thing, the odd thing about the Farrelly brothers comedies is they're quite, innocent, in a strange way. They're ridiculous and crass as all hell. Yeah, I know what you mean. They tend to end in quite a positive way. Yeah, and like, apart from maybe the albino character and Me, Myself, and Irene, they're they, they, they they're inclusive in a way that doesn't quite... Like, the way that they laugh at disabled people in There's Something About Mary is fairly similar to the way that disabled people are laughed at in this. And the thing is, is like, because... This was relatively new to Spain and Spanish culture when, like, champions won a bunch of Goyas. I think it won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was they, successful they, as well. It was very, and it's very funny. It's and the thing is, the I think the Spanish version of this film is better because the, the Spanish handicapped people are funnier. They are. They're they're <laughs> they're funnier. They're, it's not to say they're not funny in this. They are, but they're funnier in the Spanish one. But also, it kind of got just unanimous praise because. As I have maintained, Spain hasn't gotten caught up in much of this odd, confused culture war because the negative review that this film has gotten in the States claims that it's laughing at the, the handicapped people. And it just isn't. Like, it's a good-hearted, inclusive yeah. sort of film. It's just not. It. Anybody who says that is... is is either playing to their particular crowd or they're they're watching the film wrong it's it's a good hearted film it's definitely it's it's a very positive i mean i, I
0: find it moving but i think the big one of the biggest criticisms i saw against it was like that the special needs characters are not the the center of the film the center of the film is you know woody Harrelson playing this Uh, coach like they're used as a sort of plot tool for him to like go on a character journey and i don't find that to be a valid criticism me neither i think i i disagree with that completely but that was where a lot of the negative reviews were coming from
1: because the thing is okay this is almost beat for beat the same as the spanish one except the love story there is no love story in the in the spanish one Mm. but the arc is the same for the central character in that basically and the ending he him hitting the rim with the behind shot is exactly mm-hmm. the same and the, the main th- the, it's basically it's a very sort of a ted lasso sort of a meaning also it's it's kind of like um this is the what sport is really about and that's the part, like when they all hug at the end because he hit yeah. the rim. Like I cried. I like watching yeah, this yeah, last yeah. night. Um, and it because it is really nice, and it's like I've re- I've referenced this comedian before in this podcast, and also tell us tell a story of my own. So like Shane Gillis's bit about Down syndrome that kind of gets to, get gets to the heart of a lot of what people are missing about spending mm-hmm. time around Down syndrome people by tiptoeing around the issue. Yeah. So like when I was. A 15-year-old creep, I'll say it. I was a 15-year-old creep. These girls came into our class and said, look, we go to this thing called the Arch Club where we look after Down syndrome teenagers and play with them on a weekday. And me and my cynical ass friend, who I won't name and shame here, he I think he listens occasionally, so he might know who he is. Uh, we went along and said, this would be a good way to make, meet girls. And we went along and we got a dose of what, crazy patience and big heartedness and I'm saying this like we would have felt this even as teenagers and we realized we did not have this in us to like uh, you know look after uh, Down Syndrome people and uh, play along with them and stuff but the thing is just because we didn't have it there there was no mistaking for the fact that the room was just like it was just a crazy fun place yeah yeah. like they were trying to do a recreation of Greece and it was just madness they were arguing (laughs) over who would be in what part or whatever and I feel like both Campiones, the Spanish version, and Champions, the this the the Woody Harrelson film, do really capture that energy really well. I mentioned it was an Adam Sandler film, but uh, Woody Harrelson I feel gets on board with in the end. It made me laugh. There's ver- there's some parts in it that are quite funny. I found not every single joke lands. No, no, no. But also, but it's also just pleasant. It's quite a
0: pleasant film to watch. Yes, as I said, it's me. May- it's it's slightly too long, but it I never. It it only started to drag when it got to the final 30 minutes for me. I think at 90 minutes, it, it already peaked. But uh, but yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some funny moments. Isn't
1: it funny that this film is like, uh, you know, people say the past is a foreign country. Uh, this very much has that feeling. Like this, they don't make movies like this yeah, anymore. No. And they used to make them a lot. Yeah, Like with characters just being archetypes, like the restaurant manager. <laughs> who would have been previously played by fucking Don Rickles, probably. Actually, he was played by Don Rickles in the um, Norm Macdonald movie, Dirty Work. Remember when oh, he was yeah, the cinema yeah, manager? Yeah, yeah. It's basically the same character. It's just an archetype of a way to get jokes out of somebody. And the, how horrible he is, is is kind of the joke. It's, I can't think of recent times of a film
0: that's got, like, a group of central characters that are all clearly defined. Yeah. Like that. Like, I could, you know, the, 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 the guys who play on the team... We've got, like, I could I could clearly define a lot of them of, of you know, what their character is and who they are. Like Johnny, yeah. Benny, Cody, Showtime.
1: I think it's it's something to do with, you know, the likes of, the effect that the likes of um, Anchorman and Zoolander had on the comedy world, I feel. Mm. Like, that just outright, that and Jodhapato movies. Just uh, heavily improvised to the point that it's not recognizable as real life anymore. Or the just will furl insanity so that it's not recognizable <laughs> as, as a, real life anymore. And there's no point to the plot in those films either the, because the plot is not the point in films like that. But the, pl- the plot is a point in f- something like this. Also, a weird thing that I wouldn't have predicted is um, I quite bought the central relationship. Yeah, I thought they I thought they did a good job
0: of that with Woody Harrelson and Caitlin Olsen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, like, the little sort of arguments they have and because I didn't quite remember all the plot points in it when I was watching... And then but no, of course, sure, there is no love story in in this in the Spanish one. But I was watching going, Oh, they're gonna have their third act thing and it's gonna be a big smash up. But that wasn't really done in a cliched way, which I think was nice. No, it's like, fairly it did... realistic. Yeah, exactly. Um, she's, made she's a lady in her
0: forties, she's looking after her brother, who's got special needs, and uh, you know, she doesn't have a lot of time to go out and meet guys, so she's on Tinder and just having Mm. random hookups. And then when someone gets a bit close, she tends to push them away.
1: And uh, another thing they did slightly different is the Spanish guy is more resistant to the charms of the uh, kids Uh, for for longer than Woody Harrelson is, which I actually think is a good move in terms of the script. Um, I just I think I think it's nice that he kind of he's sort of friendly with them from the off. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, because
0: which... I mean he's this NBA coach, or well, or he was at one point, and then he's dropped down the leagues. He gets fired. Maybe we should go into the plot synopsis a little
1: bit. Yeah, absolutely. Woody Harrelson's Marcus is an assistant coach to um, what's his? They're jobs? like, uh, yeah, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson's, uh, yeah, they're in
0: the J League or something. Well, I don't even know what that means, but they're apparently like ten levels
1: below. Yeah, NBA. So, um, and he disagrees with some play that Ernie Hudson wants to work, and uh, yeah, he um he pushes him over, and then goes goes drinking, goes drink driving, gets fired, uh, Cry- commun- crashes into the back of a cop car. That kind of made me laugh a little bit the way the two guys get away. <laughs> then, and then he gets brought up on drunk driving charges. Did the scene with the lawyer make you laugh at all?
0: Uh, yeah, I thought that was quite. De- There's, uh, I I didn't mind that court scene. I thought yeah. that was pretty good, but I would say like up until up until he finally meets the team is probably the uh, weakest section of the film for me.
1: Yeah, it's very I much I mean it's the...
0: necessary. It's like yeah, we need to set the scene. It's it's plotting, it's
1: It's the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, but it's, We're doing the Mighty Ducks.
0: It's, it's definitely the uh, weaker element.
1: Yeah, so he gets he has to do um, he has to coach the these boys the friends um, Down syndrome basketball team. Well, no, not all Down syndrome. Syndrome. No, 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 uh, learning disabilities basketball team. And uh, yeah, he gets straight into it. They all have their little quirks. One of them uh, insists on shooting from behind uh, all the time. And then he does this celebration, even if he doesn't get it. One of them is insanely sort of uh, neurotic and very knowledgeable about uh, planes and speaks four languages. And um, He was one one the one that I I <laughs>
0: most closely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is he's, he's uh, my guy. One of them, Kate Olsen's brother, um, who Johnny. is afraid of water, Johnny, who doesn't shower. And then, yeah, there's a, a few others that were kind of escaping me at this point. Oh, yeah, of course, there's the famous Darius, who's the only uh, non-white on the team and is also very, very good at basketball. Basically, the, the character that character in the Spanish one is just this gigantic Spanish man <laughs> who looks like an actual basketball player. He anyway, has probably
0: the most interesting story, Darius, because it is mean, interesting. he was if in a car the same. crash when he was 10.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is the same as um, the Spanish one. the 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 thing he has to overcome is the fact that the guy hates drunk drivers because they mm. they ma- they rendered him uh, like this. I th- I found that scene was very moving as well. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. that like when and particularly I think it was well scripted and acted. Like Woody Harrelson is a good actor when he says, "I like I promise you that I, yeah, I trust yeah, myself yeah. that I'm not going to do that again." Anyway, so. They play, they have their bad game, then they're getting better. Uh, He's getting some notice uh, for, you know, his new career, Woody Harrelson is. Um, In the meantime, he continues to see uh, Johnny's sister, uh, as played by Caitlin Olson, uh, but she's resistant to it becoming serious, and he likes her. She's an actress. And then, yeah, what are the fallouts that happen in the plot again? What are the the conflicts? Um, Johnny discovers that he's sleeping with his sister, He's annoyed about that. Johnny is hasn't told his sister that he's moving into a group home. Marcus's ex-assistant uh, coach is trying to get Marcus a job.
0: He's t- supposedly talking to his uncle, who's like one of the... NBA owners, and uh, he's going to get Marcus a job. But then it's revealed that this guy's uncle doesn't actually like Marcus at all. And then he ends up coaching on Marcus's team, helping the friends.
1: Yeah, Andrew, and then and he becomes uh, friends with Woody Harrelson's character, which is very Ted Lasso and kind of nice. Mm-hmm. I, I liked it. It's so nice, this film. It is. Nothing, <laughs> it's very, very nice. Nothing,
0: like I was, there was a part of me that was a little worried. I was like, are they going to kill off a character or something?
1: No, no, no. I right. kind yeah, of like, felt
0: like that was maybe coming, but no, nothing like that.
1: Yeah, uh, he he basically he gets Darius on board when they're going to be playing in the playoffs by is, is just apologizing for drink driving and saying he's sure in himself that he'll never do it again. So Darius decides he'll come on board to play. Uh, one of the characters has an asshole boss in a restaurant who we we've, we've mentioned already, who fires him when he wants to go away and play basketball but then Caitlin Olson and Woody Harrelson, <laughs> yeah, the, the, that's the name of the characters, they go in and do a blackmail show. That's a very Adam Sandler movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of thing that we, doesn't work. I mean, if, if anyone tries
0: anything like that in uh, real life, it's probably not going to end well.
1: No, no, it doesn't, but it, it very much works in movie it land. Works in
0: the, it does indeed.
1: Then they they go along to their to their tournament in Winnipeg. They're Which is, against... this,
0: that's that's where everything was filmed.
1: In Winnipeg. Yeah. My Winnipeg. Oh, God. Uh, But yeah, anyway, they lose by one point, but the guy who always throws the ball, flings the ball from behind, hits the rim, they celebrate that. Me and Andy cry um, because it is quite nice. But also then you've got the thing where Woody Harrelson gets offered this job in Seattle, but he sees it like they're basically using his new squeaky clean image to cover up the fact that they're a bunch of dicks. And he eventually turns down the job, and that's nice too. And he goes to manage a lower league team, stays in Des Moines. His old mate takes over the champions, and he ends up with Caitlin Olson. The end. And uh, you learn the true meaning of sport and life. It's nice. It's a nice you know movie.
0: They, I also think they're like like she's forty seven and he's sixty. It's funny because I feel like nowadays I don't know they're sorry. Oh yeah, kind, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, you're, yeah that's well, right. Or, or, well, you're no, you're not. I don't think you're supposed to actually engage with how old they really are (laughs) that he's 60 (laughs) he's probably like the same age as the mom i reckon (laughs) yeah (laughs) i wonder what that
1: actress is you're talking about the actors not the. yeah yeah yeah. i'm
0: not talking i mean i don't know what what age the characters are actually supposed to be she's 47 yeah yeah wow she looks good yeah 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 she's doing very well for herself fair play married to rob mckelhenny huh yeah yeah i saw her in the uh welcome to wrexham show She's in one of the episodes, yeah. Do you keep up with that? Hanging in the background. Well, yeah, I watched all of season one. It'll be... Is it good? Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as uh, Sundle Until I Die, but sure, it's pretty solid. It's got some fun stuff. It's a bit sillier. Is it as good as Ted Lasso? Uh, I mean, it's more real, uh, but less scripted, let's say.
1: Okay, has it got Jason Sudeikis?
0: No. Will Ferrell is in it in in one episode, at least. Playing himself? Well, I mean, he went to a game. He turned and right. he went to watch Rex and play. So they Is interviewed he funny? him. A little bit, I guess. He doesn't strike me as a person that's that funny normally if he's just being himself.
1: Yeah, fair enough. You know it's what I mean? He's on. like, he's
0: one of those guys that turns it on for the show and then looks like he's super serious outside of that.
1: I'd like to, uh, I'd li- I'm going to uh, end uh, the rigmarole on champions uh, just by uh, I would like- making a, a tiny point. I think, I think a change in the film industry is coming in a big way uh, because I think all the old IPs are failing. They're being rolled into the ground and the film industry isn't going to die. So I reckon there's, you know, much like happened in the 70s, there's going to be a, um, a resurgent of interest in like uh, just good scripts and how like things you can make for a certain amount of money that are good that will make money because they're good rather than being a recognizable intellectual property. And I think in an odd way the legacy of people like the Farley brothers will be a resurgence in scripted comedy. Not exactly like this, but this has the hallmarks of the kind of thing that used to do very well. Um and I think will uh, will do well again.
0: Well, I can't find the budget for this anywhere, but it
1: it can't. It made
0: seventy. It's made seventeen million worldwide. It must. It can't have cost anything. I mean, thinking about how poorly shot some of those early scenes are, (laughs) this can't have cost anything. It's all filmed in Winnipeg. I mean, what is it that's costing money? They go to a gym. Yeah, pretty money goes to Woody Harrelson, I guess.
1: Money goes to Woody Harrelson, but I can't imagine someone would take that high of a fee for a film like this. To be honest, either. I wonder what Woody Harrelson's going rate is, actually. I don't know.
0: The other mad thing about this is that Ernie Hudson plays uh, the coach, Phil Peretti, and Cheech Marin plays the manager of the like gym where, yeah, that's where, right. where they work out, right? Yeah, who yeah, you, yeah.
1: Who, who do you think is uh, older of those two? I mean, I'm g- because it looks yeah. like it's Cheech Marin, it's it's yeah, Ernie yeah, Hudson, yeah. isn't Ernie it? Ernie
0: Hudson is one year older than uh, Marin. He's like 77 yeah I mean he's doing very well for himself well done him
1: it's so fun to like I don't know it, like my daughter's not old enough uh, to be watching to you know t- talk about movies yet yeah, she'll sit down and watch a movie though but you know I'm looking forward to the day where you know I, like if I could watch something like this and point to, to Cheech Marin and go you know I mean <laughs> he Cheech first, and Chong. <laughs> he, he first but- buttered his bread with comedy albums about smoking marijuana yeah <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, all right. Yeah, that gets a recommend from me. Uh, I think it's a step in the right direction. Scripted comedy, always, brother. I think
0: it's fun. I think it's a fun film to watch. Mm. I, I think some of the some of the reviews I read were uh, incredibly harsh. Especially yeah. one from uh, a cr- the critic from the Telegraph. I think it was. It was the Tory Graph. It was the mo- uh, No, sorry, uh, Clarice Lowry from the Independent gave it one out of five and said there's a self-righteousness to champions that feels entirely unearned.
1: And, oh, I think uh, that's so
0: wrong. The other thing she said is that uh, Bobby Farrelly, with his brother Peter Farrelly, spent the 1990s and early 2000s making occasionally funny, largely offensive
1: comedies. Uh, what, a, what a cunt. Uh, like, there you go. That's direct from... I don't represent the views of the Color Frendo podcast, though I think I might. That, that, what a bunch of horseshit! Like... You also, know when people. Her, her, her whole review
0: is the most out of touch thing I've read because it's clear that she's Read it. Read it. Not... I want to hear it. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot too. We, we, do you want to hear the whole thing? One day, yeah. Hollywood will finally realize that marginalized people deserve to be at the center of their own stories. Until then, we've got champions. The latest film in which a bigot is patiently taught not to be a bigot by the very targets of his ignorance, while we are all expected to stand up and applaud his bravery. It's a sports comedy directed by Bobby Farrelly, in which Woody Harrelson's disgraced basketball pause.
1: coach Marcus. Mm-hmm. Just no, we're no, we're not applauding his bravery. That's just not the movie. <laughs> I it's, know, I know, it's not. <laughs> Continue. No, I'm going to interject <laughs> I, when I just hear okay, okay. okay, okay. Uh,
0: you just tell me a pause. It's a sports yeah. comedy directed by Bobby Farrelly in which Woody Harrelson's disgraced basketball coach Marcus is charged with community service after a drunk driving incident. For the next 90 days, he'll head up a local team of intellectually disabled adults with an eye to helping them land a spot at the Special Olympics. Fair enough. Yeah, with his, I agree. Here's, here's the next part. With his brother Peter, Farrelly spent the 90s and early 2000s making occasionally funny, largely offensive comedies like There's Something About Mary and Me, Myself Amazing. And
1: Irene. But right, pause. So hold on. Let's just go through the, the quadrilogy. So she, she has she Dumb and hasn't Dumber managed, Kingpin. She, has, yeah, she
0: hasn't mentioned Dumb and Dumber or Kingpin
1: yet. Something about Mary and Me, Myself and Irene. All four of those movies are hilarious.
0: I'm not such a huge fan of uh, Me, Myself and Irene, but the other three I would say are solid all- all-timers.
1: Yeah, yeah. Me, Myself and Irene is the weakest one. It's the weakest it's still, one. It's still very funny in parts, yeah, but yeah, those it's those, it's others, so those other elements. three, you can't fault them, Quite,
0: quite frankly. They're hilarious movies. Okay, you're going to like this next part. Champions, Bobby's first solo project, exists at the midpoint between those gross adventures and whatever Peter was trying to do with his Vigo Mortensen, Herschel Ali drama Green Book. Also about a bigot who is patiently taught not to be a bigot by the very target of his ignorance. The latter went on to become the worst best picture winner in recent history.
1: I mean, she's just bathing in popular cynicism. There, this is just, this is. I can't believe this woman is writing for a newspaper. This is a snarky teenage blogger. Yeah, Green Book wasn't great. Big wow, what a revolutionary statement.
0: She also looks very very young from her photo, but who
1: knows? I read
0: some. Of, I looked at some of her other views on things like After Sun, and I was like, okay. I mean, I I see what she's saying about some other films. It's just this one that I'm a hundred percent disagree with uh champions i'll re- i'll keep going i'll keep going champions mm. is an adaptation of a popular spanish film Campiones, from 2018 like its predecessor it's also been heavily marketed around its inclusion of disabled actors here the basketball team nicknamed the friends are played by kevin ianucci josh felder um, pause a, yeah
1: not a nickname that's their actual name continue
0: Madison Tevlin, Ashton Gutting, Matthew Von Von Der A, ah, Tom Sinclair, James Day, Keith, Alex Hins, Casey Metcalf and Bradley Eden. So she's named the entire basketball team
1: uh the actors. Th- that's very big of her.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm brave. There's a self-righteousness of champions <laughs> that feels entirely unearned. Uh this isn't a film about the friends,
1: the communal Pause. spirit of their team. Uh it's not a self-righteous movie. I've seen, like there are self-righteous movies out there, like for example, the Idris Elba starring Long Walk to Freedom is a self-righteous movie. It's not a mm. character examination. The the also about South Africa, the Mel Gibson movie Invictus. The, the it stinks of self-righteousness. Th- this is not a self-righteous film. This is like I think it's it bathes in its simplicity to the in order to not be self-righteous. That's what I would say. Like it's 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 not knowing it's not a realistic movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the idea anyway, Guan. This is just going to get better. This isn't a film about the friends, the communal spirit
0: of their team, or what aspirations they might have about their own futures. This is about Marcus learning that the R word is unacceptable, then wheeling around to punch the next guy he hears
1: use it. This is about Harold. I mean, this is also like you know what the key point that this woman is missing here. You know what we, you and I, watch this week is a kids movie. Is it this doesn't is matter. It's a kids movie though. It's I mean, it's a kids I, movie. It also has like some weirdly
0: adult parts to it though. Yeah, but kids' movies... All right, hold on. Are kids' movies just a bit bluer than they used to be?
1: No. Kids' movies... Like, this is the thing. Okay. Happy Gilmore is a kids' movie. Yeah. I watched that first time when I was a teenager,
0: and I I think I was probably, you know, 15 or something, and I was like, this is my film. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's me.
1: I probably watched it when I was younger because it came out when I was younger and I (laughs) loved it also. (laughs) I watched it in the cinema. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched The Waterboy as a child. The Waterboy is a kid's movie. It doesn't matter if it has sexual themes. It is a kid's movie. Fair play. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, sorry, they're kind of... We know that they're kid's movies. Kids are watching them. Like, in a a strange way. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just laughing because I'm already reading what's coming next. (laughs) So, like the 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 point being is like if all of those are like that, this is a kids' movie. It's a movie for children, and children will pump their fist in the air where he punches the guy for saying the or word, and they'll learn a, a a lesson. Yeah. Like you know, that's the idea. Dick Munch, Any it's maybe the, you should the,
0: maybe you should just do better. Maybe you should know better already. Maybe you shouldn't mm. have to be learning this lesson. Okay. Twenty three. This is about Continue. Harrelson's pantomime look of shock when he's told that these people all live pretty full lives. Which leads to a condescending locker room speech, all about the bravery bravery of stoically shouldering ignorance. I don't think that's like I mean, I me watching this. I, I guess I'm pretty stupid. I don't know a lot about this, so I found it quite interesting. And I, you know, I found it moving for the reason that that they wanted I, to make it I, moving. I, yeah, I'm not around special needs people.
1: Yeah, most like, people I, learn. I
0: just I'm not. If that makes me a bad person, I'm sorry. But like, I just don't. I don't. I don't volunteer. I don't. Like yeah, yeah. this. This is my this is my insight into this world, and I and as I say, I find it moving a lot of the time. I was like moved
1: to almost crying. You see, this is the reason that like I've just I've saw. There's very few movie critics that I can get on board on with these days because you you ultimately find yourself in the position of asking, "Who is this movie for?" And this movie is for most people, and clearly, it's not for this fucking dumbass lady. Do you know what I mean? It's it like maybe it is, but maybe she just views the world through the incorrect, through a different prism to everybody else, and that's why she is at a total disconnect. She and in this, you know, she's basically, she's judging both the audience and the the movie.
0: I I mean I as I said I read some of her other reviews and they were fine. I think there's a social pressure to to this type of film of what she needs to feels that she needs to say about it. For yeah, which for whatever reason, which makes I her a
1: sheep and a dumbass,
0: you know. Okay, here's okay. I'll keep going. This Dude. also is about how the audience is meant to cheer on a guy with a documented history of violence. The film opens with an assault on his senior coach, played by Ernie Herdson.
1: Jesus
0: Christ! Being put in charge of a group of individuals, he seems to have an active disdain for. Well, we need we to we, we already said that. We already said that that's not true because immediately he's he's quite friendly with them.
1: Yes, in the Spanish one, he is a bit of disdain. Also, the thing is, is like so. The film when he pushes over Ernie Hudson, even though it's it, it's like you know he pushes him over just slightly, and Ernie Hudson falls. A, the film judges him for that. B, it's like, I mean, are are we not into the idea of redemption in a story? No. Is that is that no, not I'm what not. an
0: arc is? Like anyway, go on. When it comes to the friends, there's some great comic timing. Uh, Ianucci Tevlin and Metcalf are particular standouts but it's hard to shake how frequently these jokes are written at their expense uh, let me let me read this next part before you comment mm. there's a running bit about how one of the players Craig, Matthew von der A, ah, has a girlfriend is the joke here that we as an audience should laugh at the concept of a disabled person enjoying an active sex life that's what she says about that I read that as more it's funny because he's not talking about having a girlfriend he's talking to some like pretty wild yeah, yeah. Like yeah. stuff. He's talking about he's got like multiple girlfriends. He's talking he talks about having his first threesome.
1: It's plus, not that he's just talking about having a girlfriend. Plus, there is also the fact that like, hold on. It's like when the Faulty Towers German episode came out, a lot of the laughs that British and, you know, like English speaking audience would have gotten from it is because nobody had ever seen the 70s. German perspective on what the World War, World War II was. You know what I mean? You were swimming in foreign waters. We didn't really understand it, right? Now, the thing is, not just through Shane Gillis's comedy, but also through my own experience with Down syndrome people, I can tell you, like, they're a, a horny bunch once they become teenagers, for sure. But it is a funny concept, because the thing is, it's like, because most people don't know that most people don't know that and it's there to sort of subvert your expectations a but b it's like you said he's also talking some wild insane stuff he's almost got the rob Snyder role in this <laughs> you know what i mean that's the point of what, what i don't know anyway continue
0: and why are all the ma- this is her continuing and why are all the matches scored to cutesy vampire weekend tracks as if the team were at a middle school disco in 2008 and not competing for a place at one of the world's most prestigious sporting events
1: I can't believe this lady gets paid to write this shit. Okay, one Look, final paragraph. <laughs> what is this like?
0: Caitlin Olsen as the second lead comes across far more favorably than Harrelson, a relief for the rapidly dedicated fan base of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia.
1: Is it? Uh, w- wow, you like the lady character in the lead? Wow. You no surprised doubt thrilled me. thrilled
0: about the sitcom stars
1: rare outing
0: on the big screen. She plays Alex. About damn
1: Mac- time, that's what I say. About damn time, Caitlin Olsen gets out and gets a role jesus christ Continue. she plays
0: alex one of marcus's old hookups who turns out to be the sister of one of the players she treats her brother like she treats her brother like her brother as opposed to an object of pity or ridicule and the way she's come to depend on him mark the film's only affected through line but she's not also not doing a good thing though she's holding her brother back yeah at a certain point, because he wants to, uh, Johnny wants to go and, and live in this sort of sheltered housing group home thing with some of the other guys. And Alex doesn't want him to go, because she's like, she, like, she sort of selfishly built her life wants around him around. Him. Yeah, yeah, she's like yeah. that. He's like of the main part of her life, and if he leaves, then she has to justify why she hasn't found a partner, or why she hasn't gone and done whatever she thought she was going to do, like... She's a uh, con- traveling Shakespeare actress as opposed to, like, going to Hollywood or something.
1: I'll concede this to Clarissa. That is an interesting uh, through line in the film, the, the fact that she resists him leaving. But the, the thing is, is, like, if the, if that's the <laughs> if that's the film you want to watch, you want to watch, I don't know, the... Uh, it's a far darker film. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. That's, uh, you, <laughs> it, that would, exactly that right. would
0: be an interesting point, yeah, in a different film.
1: That's a Mike Lee movie, like. Right. You're not watching a Bobby Farrelly starring Woody Harrelson basketball movie. Stop, Okay, there's one, there's
0: one more sentence.
1: She's also the one to tell Marcus
0: that it's a little exploitative to use the feel-good success of his new team as a path back to the NBA. Champions, of course, is doing exactly the same thing. The total lack of self-awareness about it is probably the only funny joke here. Uh, here, I'll to give you one of the comments, which I thought was quite good. So there's there's not many comments on her uh, mm. on her review, but here's one. Wondering if Clarice would prefer the film to be a tragedy of what sad lives the people with disabilities have. This film celebrates joy and diversity and will hopefully be a jumping off point for more films that include important roles for actors with intellectual disabilities. Mm. So what if Champions relies on an age-old trope and star power to bring folks into the theatre? Once there, and if they aren't sourpusses, most moviegoers will laugh, cry, and then leave the theatre more enlightened and happy than they've been in a long, long time.
1: Dead on. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. That person should have written the the, the yeah. review for for sure because they it's, they're address- there's nothing else to be said there. They're addressing what the movie is going for rather than what they think yeah. it should be going for. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, dead on, absolutely. We should read out reviews more on this. I enjoyed yeah, that. I it's good. good Breakdown. Find a review that we completely disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, did I drop a C bomb on Clarissa there? I think he did,
0: but I don't think that was I don't think that's gendered.
1: Okay, that's good. All right. Well, and as right. to
0: say, I say, I read. I've repeat some of my some of my best reviews are from Clarice Larry. <laughs> I, I read some of her reviews, and they were good, and I agreed with her. She gives a lot. Oh, for I see what you've been doing.
1: I yeah. see what you've been doing. Stocking up on Minority Friends, you <laughs> son of a bitch. I'll throw down the gauntlet with this woman anytime, anywhere. But I do, do, I, I gotta say, I do think. This, this is why YouTubers are blowing up in terms of uh, reviewing movies because that's just yeah. I,
0: yeah. It, I, I mean, she gave c- she gave she gave Banshees of in, a in five after Sun five. Wow, how all five. I, know, sh- I know, I know, I know. Sure she gave sure did- Triangle Triangle Sadness three three at five
1: i be no. I'm not interested. <laughs> we're not.
0: We're not going to end the Clarice Lowry. Here.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> this no, no, is no, not
0: no. the. This is not the uh, Clarice Lowry show.
1: Plus, I mean, we got we got about four and a half hours worth of movies to watch for next week.
0: Oh man, I'm busy. You know, man. I'm busy here.
1: Anatomy of a Murder and Laura. That, that's what we got next week.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about that.
1: Anyway, uh, we don't know exactly know what. Uh, the next new movie we will be watching but if andy and i get a spare few minutes this week we'll go and see dungeons and dragons right we'll see i am busy i'm a busy man i don't oh, know no. i don't
0: know if i could i don't know if i'll make it
1: all right well i'm uh, if i might just pretend that i'm uh, going with you to my wife and you back up my story okay she doesn't <laughs> okay. listen to the podcast don't worry okay Um. although my younger brother does and if he rats me out to my wife i swear to god i'll rat him out to his boyfriend
0: that makes sense.
1: Clarice Lowry or or however you
0: pronounce it, she's got a, a YouTube channel. But she hasn't reviewed any films there for four years. Maybe that's, she got the uh, print job. Maybe. Uh, I want watch some fu- of her videos.
1: The future's on YouTube, my friend. I've been mm-hmm. I've been getting into YouTube film essayists uh, with an eye towards uh, creating some of my own, which I've already begun to do. More on this. Anyway, that's all I got to say about that. What about you? Yeah.
0: No, that's it. I enjoyed Champions. It's it's a fun film. It's a fun little film.
1: Okay. Well, in that Maybe case more
0: people should watch it.
1: I got to hit the road. Got to go do okay. some shopping. I love you very much. I love you too. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.